From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth Podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Fresh new podcast today. I'm Andy Crash Connell. David and Mary off for a few days. And so we're going to bring you some refreshing stuff that you can use today to battle what is going on. Our special guest, it's been a while, Dave Wager. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you, Crash, and the good friends there, Q90, and talk to our friends here at uh, Stand Up. Uh, before we get underway, we have so much to talk about that's going to be a blessing to those that are listening and hopefully something that they can share with others that are looking for uh, hope. But I wanted to mention uh, your your spring men's retreat that is coming up. I didn't know if it is all sold out or there's still some slots available. So I wanted to check. No, in you know, men are notorious for signing up late. So uh, it might be filled. <laughs> it might be filled. But we'll never know until all those wives nudge their husband and say, you going to this thing, you better sign up. So that when that happens, we'll get all the other applications in. Or you can do that online. So I look forward to seeing a lot of those who come to this men's retreat and share my heart with them. And, you know, we've got these are these are so exciting of times we live in because there is so much hopelessness that the light, those who have the light, it, it shines brightly. And we just need to be encouraging one another to do that. So I'm looking forward to that weekend with the men here at Silver Birch Ranch. And if they can join us, please do. Okay, that is May 5, uh, 6, and 7, Silver Birch Ranch. And uh, we also have details here at Q90FM. Dave, would you open us up in prayer? Sure. Father, we love you. We're so thankful that we can trust you, that you're our refuge, our, our hope. We're so thankful that you loved us, where you sent your son to die and take our place so that we could be in your family and be secure forever. I pray that all things that are talked about today would honor you, would be able to speak the truth and enjoy who you are and the way you've interacted with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. David Wager from Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute. And you also hear him on Q90FM with his Thinking Alouds and Younger Older on Saturday morning. Today we're going to talk about the warnings and the way to prepare for godless times we face. And I, I guess we're going to camp out in Second Peter 1. Is that what you yeah. want to do? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get out you know, of the way. I, I, I'm so concerned because there's there so many people who uh, say they're Christians, but their lives are a wreck. You know, they're, they're kind of religious, but they're miserable. And then they try and go to people and say, you know, I got the answer. But their lives, they don't have any answers. I, I think God created us to be effective and fruitful and to be able to go through any circumstances in life. I don't think there's one circumstance in life that should deter us from being able to be joyful in what God has given us to do. And and I think we need to focus on the truth so that we can see that and be a part of that. And I think Second Peter helps us get there. All right. Well, you're right. And there's so many scriptures. I was uh, checking out uh, uh, the topical Bible, and I just saw all of these when you just type in, uh, times of trouble, James, Romans, First Peter, John, Romans, <laughs> First Peter, Revelation, Proverbs. So, but uh, you want to set you kind of let's just do an outline 
that pretty much uh, puts us where we need to be. Uh, a good starting part, Second Peter 1. Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch. Yeah, Second Peter 1, 5 uh, to 8. Just let me read this passage, and if you let me uh, um, just ramble for a little bit. You're um, good. I'd like to... I'd like to talk about some things in that passage. Second Peter 1, 5 to 8, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of things there that, that strike me. First of all, we as believers could be ineffective and unfruitful. And we weren't meant to be ineffective or unfruitful. And and if we are, what happens is we start getting depressed. We start thinking, oh, life isn't worth living. And, and, and you know, I'm not making a difference here. Well, that's ineffective and unfruitful right there. And the reason that we're that way is because we don't understand the way life really is meant to be. You know, when you think about it, I get to, to walk out of my house this morning and rejoice in the fact that God loves me, knowing that he's going to protect me, knowing that he's got a plan for today, and I can get into it, not even knowing what the plan is, but knowing at the end of the day, if I walk with him, I'm, I win. Now, the, the problem that we're facing is that people don't understand the idea of walking in the grace of God you know, they understand God's mercy, but they mix up mercy and grace. And they think that if they add to their faith, they're being legalistic or they're counting on adding to their faith to be in God's family. So they really don't know what faith is in the first place. Can we kind of slow down here? Sure. And mercy and grace. Uh, yep. How is that being confused? And, and, and what is the difference? Well, the difference is very simple. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Okay. Grace is getting far more than you deserve. So it, it's like this. It's, it's, it, if you and I were on the street crash and you came over and you punched me in the nose and there was a policeman standing right there. All right. So we're standing there. You punch me in the nose. The policeman looks at me and says, do you want to press charges? Look, you just punched me in the nose. You deserve to go to prison for life. You know, as far as I'm concerned. And, and I look at you and I go, no, don't give him what he deserves. That's mercy. Mm-hmm. Grace is, then the policeman leaves, and I hand you a 100 bucks and tell you to take your wife out to eat. That's grace. The difference, basically, is mercy is, I am never, Dave Wager will never um, be punished for the sins that I committed in my life as far as being separated from God because Jesus Christ paid for my sins. That's mercy. I deserve punishment. I deserve to be separated from him. But I will not have that happen because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. And and that's mercy. Now, grace is, I get to live as a child of the king, man. That's more than I deserve. So, so what happens a lot of times is we think, well, because of God's mercy, I'll just live like a bum. No, no, no. You live in the grace of God. So today when I walked out the door, it wasn't, sure, I was thankful that my sins are forgiven, but I'm also saying... You know, as a child of yours, God, Yahoo, you know, I need today to act like a child of yours. That's living in grace. That's more than I deserve. And, and that's, that's the difference. Once you understand the difference between the two of them, you realize mercy 
is totally uh, God coming to me saying, while you're still a sinner, I'm sending Jesus to you. You deserve to be separated from me. You deserve not to live the way that you were created to live. However, I'm going to give that to you. Wow. And and not only am I going to give that to you, I'm changing your whole status to where you're going to be co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Dave Wager from uh, Silver Birch Ranch, Bible Institute, is the guest. I'm Andy Crash Connell, filling in for Dave and Mary. They're off for a few days. And uh, we're in Second uh, Peter 1, and mercy and grace. Now, uh, it would be all right for me to say, would it be biblical for me to say that that mercy and grace is discerned through the Holy Spirit that is in us if we are oh. open to it and obey it? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think what happens is the first thing you have to experience is the mercy of God. Once you're in God's family, then you experience his grace. And and it's a wonderful understanding. It's a wonderful thing in life. Because God wants to give us more than we could ever imagine. That's grace. In this, and, and really, go on. Go, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and when I look at this verse, it says, make every effort to supplement your faith. Right. That's where I'm okay. looking at. Okay, well, right. every, every effort... See, what this, that every effort is speed, eagerness, earnestness, work, 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 work at understanding this faith. See, it starts like a child. You understand. Uh, I love the um, illustration of the Bible of adoption. If, if I'm a child who's an orphan, I have nothing really to offer. If I'm, I just got born, my parents abandoned me, I'm on a doorstep somewhere. I have nothing to offer adopted parents. Nothing. It's the adopted parents who take me in and make me part of their family. See, what my faith is, is, is believing that I don't offer anything to God, but because of his love for me, he takes me in, and I accept that. That's my faith. Now, now add to that faith. Learn, learn that that faith is the starting point for your life, but it's not, it's not just the ending point. That's the starting point. Now, faith will be a part of your journey all your life. Trusting that God does what he says. That's, that's pretty much simple faith. But add to your faith and it gives you very specific things you can work on to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I was uh, kind of what I was going to interrupt about, because if I'll just be quiet and let you do your thing here. But the, the outline in Second Peter 1, the way, uh, yes, that's right, is uh, the first one is you supplement your faith with virtue. And then right. you got to pause there because he keeps building on that vir- virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. So it's going like, okay, what is the biblical definition? What does virtue mean to, what does Peter mean by virtue? Yeah, it means doing what's right, not what's understood. Let's take a look at Noah. So God comes to Noah and, and he tells him, I want you to build a boat, a big one, in, in, the, in, in a mountain. How much sense does that make? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Now, my question is, do you think Noah totally understood what God was doing? Well, he was I, pretty old. I would say, I'm sure he had to ponder that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody could understand why a guy, Noah's age, would be building a huge boat in a mountain, especially at that time in history. But here, here's what he did. He understood that what I, what I, he knew that God was God. He obviously was one who walked with God. And when God said something... It was already settled. He was going to do it. Now, now you can imagine, it took him over 100 years to build that, all right? right? So 
Yeah, I I just picture people coming from all over the place having let's make fun of Noah parties. You for a hundred years, he had to yeah. be. For a hundred years, he had yeah, to listen you to imagine, that. Yeah, can, can you imagine? <laughs> Generations of people. Yeah, can you imagine? He was the butt of jokes, no doubt. And, and, and yet, this faithful servant of God, he did what was right. He didn't understand how this was going to work. I mean, think about how much sense all the instructions made. Build a bow, build it this big, and, yeah. and when you get to a certain point, animals are going to come out of the woods, you know, or wherever they are, and they're the all going to yeah. join you yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. And, and then we're going to have so much rain and so much water that it's going to, you know, go over the top of the mountains. Now, think about how much that makes sense. They didn't know what rain was. Right. So we, we have to be careful to actually put our minds into what the scriptures say. We have to know who God is and trust who he is. And, and we have to spend time. Earlier, I was talking about fruit. And you know how fruit is, is uh, how, how a tree gets fruit. It, it just absorbs all the right stuff. So if I'm an apple tree, I'm sitting there and my, my roots are in the ground and my, my branches are out and I'm, I'm absorbing carbon dioxide. I'm absorbing sunlight. I'm absorbing all the nutrients from the soil. And if I absorb all the right stuff, Fruit just comes. It just comes. And and we need to understand that that's how we, we need to guard what we absorb. I hope all the people that are listening today, they guard what they absorb. They should be listening here to stand up for the truth. They should be having podcasts. There are so many different podcasts that, that are Christian they could be listening to rather than filling their mind with things that are not right and having to deal with that on a regular basis. It's It's like a tree trying to absorb you know, hydrochloric acid and produce fruit. It, it doesn't work. Or, or you put a, a, a tree like an apple tree, put it in a place where it's all shady, no, no sunlight, and, 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 and then try and have it produce apples. You know, it's not going to because what we did is we took away the absorption part. I need to read the Bible enough to know who God is. And when God says something, I need to do it. I don't need to feel like it. I don't need to understand it. I need to do it. And that's really what we're talking about here. Add to your faith that. Not not the idea. See, and then that really has to do with faith, believe it or not. Because if God says, I want you to build an ark, see, my mind already says, well, you're God, I'm Noah, or you're God, I'm Dave in my case. You said to build an ark in a mountain, I'm going to do it. My faith is in the fact that God knows what he's doing. Not that I know what I'm doing. And and that only comes from spending time in God's Word and getting to know God on a very intimate level. Our guest is Dave Wager. Stand up for the truth. He is with Nicolay Bible Institute and Silver Birch Ranch and one of our regular teachers here at Q90FM throughout the day. And uh, what we're trying to accomplish today is help you be prepared about the godless times that we're facing, and our outline today is in Second Peter 1. So it starts with virtue, and then he says virtue with knowledge. Yep. yep. Now, knowledge is, is, is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, what, what we need to do is keep accumulating in our minds what God has said. Doing what is right gets verified by knowledge. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, you're a young person, and you're... Um, your parents tell you you shouldn't eat ice cream for every meal, you know, whatever it might be. 
and and you you don't understand anything. They want you to eat right. They want you to exercise. And you're a kid thinking it's a whole lot more fun to play video games on the couch, you know. So mm-hmm. your your parents are saying no, you're not going to do that. Uh, so you've you've learned through the years you have to obey your parents. So you don't understand everything they say. But as you get older and as you gain knowledge about life and phys- you know your physical well being and that, you realize you come back to your parents later and go, hey, I know why you don't want me to eat ice cream every meal. See, you've you've added knowledge to what your virtue. Your your I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to listen to my parents. I. I didn't understand them as a five-year-old, you know. But now that I've gotten older and I've taken some classes, I understand exercise is kind of important, and so is eating proper food. So what you're doing is you're verifying that what 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 your parents said is correct because of your knowledge. You know, as as I get older, I have a master's in in um, education and science, or science and I don't know what order those words go in, but I have I. I Regardless, I've talked to scientists about different things, and the more educated I get, the more I see the glory of God. You know, I, what happens is the the more I'm in God's Word, and then I, you know, I watch a hummingbird or something, and I go, "Oh man, God, what a great thing you did there!" You know, the the education part actually verifies that the virtue why God said what He said. So I look at um, marriage, for example. Well, I, can I, can I, I sure me, interrupt, please interrupt anytime because you know, I'll just I, ramble. I, well, I don't say that because I like to interrupt the, the, uh, the knowledge. I'm going to make sure that I'm understanding this here. The knowledge is not only the head knowledge, but it seems like, the, like you said, the head knowledge is verifying uh, using your example as, uh, the parent and child is, I don't want to do this, but I am seeing in real time or maybe over time. They're right. The benefits. Right. I'm right now understanding the benefits. At the moment, right. I didn't. But uh, and then, like you said, uh, your education was in science, and you went. This just verifies what I already knew in Christ and in my walk with God. I already right. knew this, but this right. is cool that science is also uh, verifying it. Right, and and it keeps it keeps um, solidifying. The relationship that you have, you keep going, oh, that's right, God, that's right, God, look at this. And, and it's because you're adding the knowledge. Again, you gotta watch your input. The not, it should come from you being in the Bible, and then when you get other sources, you put it through the Bible so that you know what kind of context you need to have it in. And that's critical in life for any of us to have. You know, take, take for example, I tell our students at Nicolay Bible Institute all the time, marriage. God created marriage between but to be between one man and one woman. And he made it so that they would have a commitment to each other for life, not an arrangement, but a commitment. So, so before you get married, you realize it's very important that I have a commitment to this other person until the day that they die. And you both do that and you work on this relationship and, and you might look at it and go, well, the world today doesn't teach that. It doesn't matter. The world is wrong. God is right. So you start off your life by saying, okay, that's the plan. Uh, God's plan is that before you're married, you don't, you're not sexually active. You, you're not out there being promiscuous or whatever. Okay, well, the rest of the world, don't listen to the rest of the world. Yeah, but what if God, no, don't listen to them. You're going to find out. Now, you're going to find out that God's right as you add to this. So now I've been married 40, what year is it, 2023? <laughs> okay, I've been married 40, 40 I've been married 43 years. All right? So I will tell you this. 
that being committed to one person for life is the way to go. That, that if you are, um, abstinent from, um, sex before you're married, that's the right thing to do. That's the right way to go. Being faithful to your spouse is the right way to go. And not only that, abortion wouldn't even be an issue if we listened to God, because again, adding to my knowledge, if everybody was faithful to their spouse, they got married, they got committed, and then they created children in the context of a family the children, we wouldn't be talking about abortion. So you look at all of the things that, that get just thrown out when you do what's right. And the world is trying to figure out how do we make all this stuff right without God and doing our own thing. Well, it's not going to work. you got to know God's word. you got to adjust your life to God's word. And the more you do that, me, married 43 years, I'm going to tell you, what I've accumulated knowledge-wise over the year, God is right on marriage. I've learned that. Uh, and I try and tell young people that. Second Peter 1, now you're segueing into the uh, next part of uh, verse 6 here. Knowledge, what you're talking about is with self-control. Knowledge with self-control. Now that I know this, now I have to exercise self-control. Right. You know, I, th- I think it's interesting that, that we're, we're people that don't always feel like doing what we should do. And And some have come to me, some young people have come to me and said, well, why doesn't God just correct that and make it so that we all want to do what we should do? Yeah. And I look at him and think, well, that would be pretty dull. You know, I mean, think about it. God defines himself as a God of love. Okay, well, what is love? Well, lo- love is is um, something that demands choice. Uh, the example I've given on, on stand-up many years ago and even in with my students is I, I like working off an iPad but if you came into my office one day or in the studio here at Silverbird Ranch and you saw me on my iPad and we're talking and all of a sudden my iPad blurted out, Dave, I love you. You know, and, and I kind of blushed and, and I said, you know what, excuse my iPad, it's just overly emotional today. And and then we go through and we continue to talk and again my, my iPad goes, excuse me, Dave, I really, really love you. And I'm sitting there going, and I'm blushing again and I'm apologizing, but you know, I can't control my iPad. If you were sitting there with me, you'd go, you are the, you are the vainest, craziest person I ever met. You, you have to have your iPad tell you that it loves you every, what, 10 minutes? Now, the reason you think I'm nuts is because you know I programmed it. And an iPad has no, can you imagine if God created humans and programmed them? So that we didn't have a choice. And then he, he, he went to his angels and he said, hey, look at that Dave down there. Look how much he loves me. And all the angels are rolling their eyes because they know Dave doesn't have a choice. Believe it or not, my love for God is meaningful. And God made it that way. And therefore, when I don't love God and I don't walk with him and I don't listen to him and I have that choice, there are real disasters that take place because of it, because of God's love. He's not, God is a God that's a just God. There's going to be justice. Otherwise, there's no love. And I think we get that wrong, and, and people of the world keep saying, well, if God's really a God of love, he'd, no, if God is a God of love, and that's why you're not a robot, and you should quit asking him to make you robotic so that everything works the way it should work. There's a thrill when you do what you should do. You know, um, recently, Crash, you know, I got a, a hip replacement. Right. And, um, and so now I'm walking without a limp. 
And, and in order to get there, I had to go to physical therapy, to a doctor, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, all right, one step at a time. If I listen to them, if I listen, this is what happens. And, and now I'm walking today. I walked into the studio without a limp, without a cane, and I'm going, yeah, good feeling. But it took time and listening to the ones that know what to do to get there. Now, there's a consequence. If I just wanted to sit on the couch and eat ice cream again and say, I hope it rehab's good. Look, that's not the plan. These guys don't dislike me because they're putting me in a position where I have to stretch it and, and hurt a little bit and, and do what I should do to get back to where I belong. And God does that with us. He says, Dave, you gotta, you gotta get to over here in your faith. So in order to do that, I'm going to need to put this in your life and this in your life and this in your life. And by the way, I don't think you're going to like any of those things. However, those are going to be the things that I use to mold and make you into the man that you should be. And so self-control, I, I, I used to walk into the classroom all the time when um, I worked with a, a youth ministry, and I would blurt out to the kids, do you have to understand something for it to be right? And they would all shout back, no. No, you don't have to understand how God spoke and created the world. If you do that, what you're doing is you're elevating your own pride and arrogance. You're trying to get to be a person who basically says, if I don't understand it, it can't be done. So you're putting your brain on the same wavelength as God's, and and that's impossible. So here's what I have to do. I have to work on knowing that my feelings, my my ideas, they don't control me. If you were a Nicolet Bible Institute student, what I would do is ask you to have a candy bar that you really like. I don't care what kind of candy bar it is. You have one that as soon as you see the wrapper, you you salivate. And and I tell them to take this candy bar and put it somewhere where they look at it every day, pick it up and smell it and fondle it, whatever you want to do. Then don't eat it. Put it down. And And the reason I do that is because I want them to understand no matter how you feel about that candy bar, you do not have to eat it. You don't have to eat it. And, and what's interesting is that I have found that Christians being afraid of being legalistic do not want to work at the self-control thing at all. Because it's like, no, I just hope I do the right thing when I'm supposed to. If we have children who can't, who's never said no to a candy bar, and then they, they're, they're mixed up in pornography, they go out on a date, you know, how are they going to say no to their feelings and their emotions down the road? We need to start by saying, you, you need to learn to say no to some of the feelings. And for me, the candy bar is meaningless, you know, but it gets them to the point where they start thinking, yeah, you know, my feelings don't need to control me. I need to be controlled by something other than those. I know some of the kids make fun of me and some people make fun of me when I say that because it seems like a very small thing. But I don't know how else you work at self-control because I'm promising you when you read God's word, you are not going to always feel like doing what God says. Well, and it goes into uh, self-control with steadfastness. Right. And you know, steadfastness goes into godliness. And we got about uh, a couple more minutes here, then I'm going to have to take our first break here. Okay. And we're in Second Peter 1, and I'm crash filling in for David. Fiorazzo, Mary, and David are off for a few days. And David Wager is with uh, Silver Birch Ranch. Uh, that's in White Lake, isn't it? Where is that? It is White Lake, Wisconsin. 
Silverbirchranch.org if they want to go look it up and see all the stuff that we do or all the, all the various things that they might. I would invite any people to come here. We love serving and, and, and helping people just see God. We're at a beautiful spot at the edge of the Nicolay National Forest. And if you have a young person who uh, needs to go to college, pause for a second. Send, send them to a place. Look at Nicolay Bible Institute. It's a one-year program that teaches Bible and how to serve. Because I don't care where they go in life, they need to know those two things. So look at the NicolayBibleInstitute.org and give a chance there to Nicolay Bible Institute. I'm one of the teachers, as well as some others who actually have more degrees than me. I'm, I'm kind of the least degree teacher. Uh, but I'm one of the oldest, so I guess age has its benefit. What is the age range from Nicolay Bible Institute? We just want them out of high school. We've had them uh, as, you know, if they're, we've had them as old as thirty some years old. Come and uh, but well, that's cool. Are, yeah, most of them are out of high school, and if they are a little older when they come, they do find that you know when you're just out of high school and you're or you're twenty nine years old, you, you have a different understanding of life so it's a little little different challenge uh in some respects but well you're out in the middle of nowhere up north and it's a beautiful facility if you haven't been to silver birch ranch there's all kinds of opportunities pardon me we got uh, a men's retreat coming up there or they do uh may five six and seven spring men's retreat and as far as david knows there are still some availabilities but you got to go to the silver birch ranch website and we will put those uh, links in the uh, podcast post today. And we are in Second Peter 1 for the uh, for this hour. And we're hoping to prepare for the godless times that we are facing. Every day, it's a brand new evil in the headlines. Where is God in all this? More about that on the way on Santa for the Truth. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. David Fiorazzo and Mary Offer a few days. I'm Andy Crash Connell. Uh, I guess I'm the producer here at Stand Up For The Truth and uh, filling in. Happy to have back. It's been a long time uh, that we had him on Stand Up For The Truth. Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute. You can hear him on Saturday mornings with Younger Older and throughout the day with his Thinking Aloud teaching series. And this morning on Stand Up for the Truth, we are in Second Peter 1, and we're hoping to prepare those listening for the godless times that we are facing. We know that we're in it, and uh, how do we equip you? And so we're in Second Peter 1, Dave Wager, and we left off at self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness. Yeah. Let's go there. You know, one thing I want to do before we get there is just ask a simple question I like to ask, and I'll set you up for it, though. Do you, do you believe, um, I'm going to ask you, Crash, do you believe that God loves you? Yes. Then act like it. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know, I mean, it gets that simple after a while. And, and sometimes what, you got to, sometimes, because you've been saying that for a long time. Yeah. And, 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 and you, you, there's other variations. I think, it, uh, do you trust God? Yes. Right. Then act like it. Absolutely. Uh, you can it, ask that all the time it, of yourself. And so... And people who who know God, what they do is they they supplement their faith like that, like we're talking about. They it, they say, okay, I'm going to continue to grow, and 
one of the worst things you could do in any any relationship is quit growing in the relationship, whether it be your spouse or whether it be your children. You know, we continue to change and grow and develop. God isn't changing. He has no perspective. He has no opinion. So what we do, and we talk about growth with God, it's not that we learn how he's changing. We learn about his infiniteness and how as we change, we relate to who God is. And we keep adjusting because he doesn't need to adjust. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the steadfastness so, is a a small course change moment to moment? Yeah, it's it's basically once you know it's true, regardless of the circumstances, you you continue to do it. It's it's look, my life verse is actually First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. If I ever sign a passage or book or something, it's always with that verse. Let me read it to you. It says, "Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast." And then it it kind of goes through, and it, you ever be it keeps describing it over and over again. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So so God promises. He says, you know, Dave, I'm actually asking you, Dave, to do something that you can actually do. I just want you to listen to me all the time. So when you have a choice, you know what I say. You listen to me. Why? Because I'm God. You decide to do what's right, no matter what the circumstances are. That's steadfastness. That's Noah. That's Stephen. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's Daniel. But, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you think of it. You know, bow to Nebuchadnezzar. No, we know that. We just know. So God says, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I didn't ask you to change the heart, the heart of the king. But what you know to do is not bow. So don't bow, and then I'll change the heart of the king. How about that? And that's the steadfastness right there. Makes no sense. It means we're going to burn to death. Steadfastness. Stephen, if you take the stand, Stephen, you're going to get stoned. It's going to get ugly. However, look up. See Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne. You'll be fine. That's steadfastness. Noah, I know it's been about 90 years. Boat's not finished. Let's keep working at it. Steadfastness. Yeah, but... How are you going to do this again, God? Steadfastness. Listen to me. It'll be done. I'll take care of the rest. You just listen to me. I've said there are certain things I, I say to God all the time just because I, I think, wow, I'm a part of his family, whatever. And one of them is I keep thanking him for only giving me things to do that I can actually do. You know, I, I can I can do what's right. I don't have to feel like it. I can do what's right no matter what. I, I can open the Bible and read it. That's something I can do. I can pray. That's something I can do. What I can't do is change the heart of our government. I can't change the heart of the World Health Organization. I can't change the heart of the Supreme Court. However, God didn't ask me to do that. He asked me to do what I should do, and he makes it clear what that is. And that's what I need to be steadfast doing. Dave Wager, Silver Birch Ranch, and Nicolay Bible Institute is a guest this morning on Stand Up for the Truth. Now, we're going to keep going in Second Peter 1 here. Uh, I will say this is the ambiguous uh, word that is uh, a lot of Christians are allergic to, godliness, steadfastness with yeah. godliness. Yep. You know, I, I think it's, to me, it's a, it's a simple word. It, it means I'm going to live in a way where you can watch me and see who God is. It, 
And you say, oh, that would be blasphemer. No, you know, I reflect who he is. I'm not him, but I can reflect who he is. What's interesting to me is that there's students every once in a lot of students, I'm talking about all camping and Nicolay Bible Institute, that come and they've never seen a healthy marriage. They've never, they've never seen healthy relationships between people. And you can read the Bible to them if, if you want, and you should be. However, that becomes an academic thing to them if they're young enough. What I always tell these young people to do is, is find a marriage where you can see that it works and go watch them. You know, I'll invite them over to my house. We've been married 43 years. Why don't, why don't you come and see how we live? Go see how these people live. Go, you need to observe somebody who has walked with God all their life. You know, I tell people, you should have at least three people in your life. You should have somebody older than you that you could observe the principles that they've applied in their life and how they've worked through the years. You should have somebody older in your life like that that's mentoring you. You should have somebody younger in your life that you can do that too, and you're the third person in there. So everybody should have at least those three people in their life where where you're basically saying, can I see that what you're actually telling me about God is true? I can tell you about marriage all I want, but can I come over to your house and observe it? And once you see it, it's hard to deny it from that point. So godliness is living so that anyone who observes us can see who Christ is. Now, Philippians 2, 1 to 5. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but humility. Count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, Christ is our example. He, he didn't have to, what did he get out of coming down here other than pain for our sins? He didn't have to do that. He would still be God. But because we had a need, he came down and died on our behalf. You know, what we do is we live in a way that represents who he is so that when people observe who we are, they see who God is. And that's a great challenge that I think I fail more than I succeed, but it's still the challenge. And then that godliness, though, will go into brotherly affection. Absolutely. And brotherly affection, I think, is, is something, you know, we've talked about love and what it is, but it's really looking at somebody else and thinking, what can I do with my skill, my talent, my ability that God's given me? What can I do? To help you see God. Regardless of what it is, what can I do? My responsibility is to help you. That's what love is. When you look at Jesus, while we were still sinners, we didn't even ask for help, and he helped. He saw the need, and he met it. I think if you could imagine that we live in a world where everybody would look at their, first starting with their family, then their friends, and they would think, what can I do today to make you everything you could be? What, what, what resources can I use of mine? What, what abilities, what words can I use to make you the person you should be? And we keep thinking about what's best for somebody else. And I look at our culture today and I see just the opposite in the mass media. You know, it's all about me. I'm the influencer. I'm the one that gets you to think about me and what I get out of it. I heard and this yesterday like, at church. Pride. What's the, what's the middle letter in pride? Five letters. What's the middle letter? I. I. Yep. Yeah. And uh, 
As I'm listening to you, uh, when folks, uh, Katie and I have been married 19 years, and when people come to us and they ask, because uh, we were uh, back in 2010, not 2009 or whenever it was, we were at the brink of divorce, separated, that kind of stuff. They said, what changed? And I said, uh, we had to go to separate corners and work on ourselves. And Ephesians 6 was a turning point for me when I realized I have to love her more than myself, and it has to be that same way with everything. I have to love, in order for me to obey God, I have to love God more than myself. I got to, I have to decrease, he has to increase. And we're talking about here with Dave Wager at Silver Birch Ranch on Stand Up For The Truth and Nicolay Bible Institute, how we prepare for the godless times. Because every morning, if you're, if you're glued to your social media or you turn on the TV or pick up a newspaper, turn on uh, talk radio, you're going... Is this going to stop? I'm still trying to deal with yesterday's problems and now this. And we're talking about, yes, because this is about what we need to do as believers. And he's talking about brotherly affection with love. uh, Peter said in verse 8, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. You know, I mean, Satan knows God. And and you can't pattern yourself after him because he knows God. He probably knows God better than you do. And Scripture. Yeah. And so what we do is we know God, and the difference is we actually respond to him as God. And and Satan isn't. He's trying to be God. You know, when, when Jesus said the two things that are important in life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself, he defined it all the way through Scripture. Loving the Lord Loving the Lord your God simply means to obey him. And through the Bible, it's always there. If you if you obey me, you know, you love me. If you love me, you obey me. And the, he's the only one that that's defined for. I could never come to you, Crash, and say, Crash, if you love me, you'll obey me. Because I'm not God. And again, there are characteristics that God has that makes that statement work for God. Because, again, he's always right at what he says. He's, he's always loving. You know, I mean, you, you look at him. He... he he doesn't have an opinion. He doesn't have a perspective. When God says something, you don't go back to him and say, oh, that's an interesting perspective. No, it's true. So the only proper response to God is obedience. That's the only proper response. Not understanding, not manipulation, not anything else, but the only proper response is, is obedience. Now, when you love other people, and this is a phrase I like to use, you, you, you understand that rather than using people, you do what you can to help them be all they can be. You use yourself and your resources to help them see God. And I think in our culture, we are so used to using people, and I think that that probably comes from pornography and, and sometimes in business where you're just thinking, how can I use that other person you know, to benefit myself rather than you know, um, help them? Or, and not all businesses like that, but I'm saying it's very easy to get into that mind frame where you begin to use other people rather than love other people. And I encourage our guests, you know, we need to be people who love one another and not use each other. Uh, young men that come to me, especially when we talk, and, and I assume most of them are dabbling in pornography because that's the uh, world we live in. And I say, why do you use those people like that? And they look at me funny. I said, no, you're just using them. You're getting in the habit of using people for your own whatever, your own pleasure, your own, but you're using them. That's not love. That's going against everything that God has said. So I promise you this, because it goes against what God said, you're going to be miserable. 
And they look at me like, wow, that's pretty direct. Well, anytime you live outside the context of the way you're created, you're going to be miserable down the road. It may not be right away. I mean, if you tell me while I'm eating a bowl of ice cream that I'm going to be miserable later because of it, I'm thinking, I'm feeling pretty good right now. You know, I mean, this ice cream is good. Um, I think sometimes we get messed up by thinking, uh, you know what, I, I've done, I, I'm not always sorry for doing what I shouldn't do, so I don't know how to get to where I am sorry. Well, then you don't see it clearly. And that's why I think verses like 1 John 1, 9 tell us if we confess our sins. It doesn't say if we feel sorry about our sins. I think sometimes we try and figure out what confessing means, and we didn't really confess, we don't feel sorry. I'm not sure that I always feel sorry for my sins, though. I, but I need to confess them and go to God. I did wrong. I did wrong there. I, I would say, uh, I don't want to get too far off track, but because uh, uh, I was discussing with my son the other day, he was in First John, he says, what does is, what is, uh, John mean when he says, don't sin? Right. But if you do sin, he goes, right. that's confusing to me. And we had that yep. discussion. And there's times where I had to tell him, Right now, God, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you, and I'm sorry. I agree with you. You're right. I'm wrong. I don't agree right. with it right now, but that's me. You're God. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and yes, you're right. I, I agree yeah, I with you. I got to make that conscious decision. I agree with you. What you said is right. Yeah, it'd be like if if I was on a strict diet, and all of a sudden somebody brought in cake, and I ate the whole cake, you know, <laughs> and and then and then. Something, you know, my wife or somebody comes in and says, you shouldn't have eaten that. And I go, yes, you are absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. However, I sure enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It, it, for me to get to the point where I say I don't enjoy it, that's a different statement. And sometimes I don't want to lie to myself. What I want to be able to do is say, God, I know you're right on this, and I, and I know that one day if I keep in your word and I keep putting truth in my brain, I know I will align with you right on this. But right now what I'm doing is admitting you are right, and I am wrong, and that's confession right there. And And as I do that, I begin to have a distaste for all that wrong stuff eventually. Um, it's kind of like um, I had some heart problems years ago, and I, I quit eating certain foods that I really liked, now I don't have any taste for them whatsoever. And so it's it's very odd that way. I've just I've learned, okay, that food's not good for me. I've even developed a distaste for it. You know, I don't I don't want it. And and I think God does that. I think it starts by saying, Okay, God, I'm agreeing with you. I am agreeing with you. And that's part of admitting that's part of loving God, saying, I'm going to obey you. See, that's that's the love part. I'm going to obey you. I don't have to feel like it. And and when I don't obey you, I'm going to confess that I didn't, mm -hmm. and I'm going to continue to adjust my life according to what you say, not because I agree or I understand, but because of the fact that you are, are God, and you're right, and I'm wrong. And and now I go on with life. You know, I think we're waiting for ourselves to get into a position where we feel like doing what God says, and, and that can be a disaster. We've got about seven minutes left in the hour here. Stand with the truth. We are visiting with Dave Wager from Silver Birch Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute. And we're in Second Peter 1. I'm going to go to verse 9, and we were talking about love. So uh, you're going to have to explain to me how this is loving when Peter said, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. 
How's he loving in that statement? Yeah, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind. I, I don't know if you ever had to deal with nearsightedness, but, you know, there are times where we forget the cost of the sin in our life. We, we actually think that we're missing out on something when the sin is devastating. We just don't see things clearly. You're, you're talking about sight here. You know, it, God sees everything clearly. We don't. It's kind of like the, the children of Israel. Okay, they come out of Egypt, right, and they go and, and before you know it, they're looking at Moses going, Oh man, the life in Egypt, you know, we, Boy, are we missing out. And Moses probably is looking at him going, missing out? You're you're missing out on being slaves? Do you remember what Egypt was like? Oh, let's kill Moses so we can go back and be slaves again. You know, it's like, okay, you're you're nearsighted. You're you're blind. Just because now you have manna? And now, you know, I mean, I know manna every day has got to get old. but, But just because... You don't have what you had back then. You think that you're suffering now that you're free. And so I think sometimes we just don't see because we don't see the plan. And all we see are the things that um, we want to see, in, in essence. And we're not seeing things clearly. We forget the cost of those sins. And we start to look back on them thinking, oh, if I could only indulge in those again. And God's going, why would you want to do that? Isn't that kind of what's going on as we're talking about preparing for the godless times that we're facing? And they are going to get worse uh, because God's word says he's going to get worse, and I believe him. And so uh, that Peter also said, a dog returns to his vomit. And you probably heard it a thousand times. I know I have. I wish we, we could go back to normal, or I wish we could go back to this or that. Yeah. And, and we're, we're just as bad. We want to go back to what we thought was a better life. Yeah. And, and I would uh, invite people to check what life was like throughout history during the time of Caesar and the, the apostles and all that kind of thing. It, life can get pretty rough at moments. You know, it, it looks pretty dismal, I think, in the world right now, but it looked pretty dismal back then, too. I think the answer is the same, obviously. You, you listen to God. He will sustain you. You be steadfast. You, you go into passages like First Peter and apply it to your life. Um, and you understand that in the end we win. And you live that way. You live in the context of you are in the uh, on the winning team. And you will win in the end. You know, no matter right. what happens here. You know, I love watching. I'm one of those w- rare guys. I'd rather know the score of the game um, before I watch the game. I, I don't like the tension. I want, I want to know, you know, if we won the game and all along the way there's stupid things that happen, I want to know that we won in the end. And that's really how I feel in life right now. I really know that in the end, I'm going to win. Well, can I say this, Dave Wager at Silver Birch Ranch? Um, yeah. Everybody's going to go through what's coming. Right. Everyone is going to go through what's coming. And so, which corner do you want to be in? Because everybody's going to go through it, and yep. uh, so it's like, well, do you? Uh, I say, the, well, do you want to be going through whatever you're going through? A cancer in the family, uh, this, that, that just keep going and going. Do you want to go through that as a born again person or as uh, as a non believer? Right. Why would you? Why it's, it just seems to me that. Uh, cause when, in first Peter, or rather second Peter one, where he says, 
have forgotten what that he has cleansed us from our former sins. I'm going like it was our sins that put him on the cross. Why do we forget right. that? Yep. You know, it's critical for us to understand that Satan is really good at what he does, but we don't have to fear him because God knows what he does. And I'm his child. Again, as I walk out the door, I love to, I don't do it all the time, but I love to be able to tell God in, in my quick prayer is, God, I don't know what Satan's doing today, but you do. And I'm counting on you, and I walk out the door. You know, I, I don't know what he's up to all the time. I do know that wherever there's a light, there's going to be opposing forces trying to stop it. I'm just not smart enough to know where it's always coming from. But I tell you this, if you mess with me, you mess with my father. And he'll take care of me. And in the end, I'm going to win. And that's what matters. All right. We and got so less than uh, three minutes here. Uh, verse 10, Second Peter one yeah verse 10 therefore brothers be all more diligent to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities you will never fail we got three minutes yeah you know what it's it's so important for us to understand there are people that think they're part of the the family of god but that they've messed up on the very first word in that early verse faith their faith is in their faith their faith is in them doing all this good stuff so that god when they weighs the good and the bad. No, that's not how it works. It's God's mercy we need. I come to God knowing that I have nothing to offer him, and he has everything to offer me. My sins keep me from him, and Jesus paid for him. And when I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, I become a member of God's family. Now the rest of my life I get to work on the grace of God and live in the context of being his child. And that's where my calling keeps getting confirmed. Because God keeps putting me in places where he uses me the way he wants to, whether it be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a Noah, wherever it might be, a Stephen or Paul or whatever it might be. We're all different. But we understand and we see God working, and that confirms the fact that we're his children and that we have great purpose in life. And and so I want to practice those qualities. And the very fact that I want to be close to God, I don't want to be separated from him again confirms the fact that my hope is in him. My hope should never be in me. It shouldn't be in my ability. It shouldn't be in my repentance even. My hope should always be in what God did for me. And that's that's the only hope that any of us really have. Dave Wager, thank you so much for making time for us uh, this week and uh, sharing with us from your heart. We're blessed to have you back on Sound for the Truth. Andy Crash Connell filling in for David Fiorazzo and Mary today. Uh, for the rest of the week, we're going to just be doing some more repeat broadcasts as they take some time off. Mary, we will be back on Thursday with a new show. Dave Wager, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I, uh, I want to remind people that you're also available at Relate365. 365. Relate365.com. You're a blessing, brother, and um, looking forward to seeing you May 5, 6, and 7 at Spring Men's Retreat at Silver Birch Ranch. Thank you very much, David. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today on Santa for the Truth. Keep talking about things that matter.